0: Well good morning and welcome back to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. Once again we want to thank you for spending your Sunday morning here with us. We are really excited about a lot of different things that are going on right now as we continue to try and be the church and to be the church family. If you've been with us the last couple weeks you know that we've been we've been working our way through this series called Unsung Heroes of the Bible. And this is something that I've been really excited about, and I hope that you're finding this this series both informative and entertaining as well. But sometimes it's great just to stop and take a look at some of the people who maybe don't get the recognition, but have really great stories to tell. Now, I, like most of you, believe that everything that's in the Bible is there for a reason, and there is something that we can learn from all of the stories in the Bible. And I think stopping and just stepping back for a minute and looking at some of these smaller bit part characters, if you want to call them that, and looking at what we can learn from them is just a great way for us to either learn some new stories from the Bible, or maybe even go back and look at a different side of some stories that you may already know. So let's dive in today and let's start by talking about last week. So we're going to rewind just a little bit and talk about last week. Now last week we talked about the story of Rahab. And we talked about just some great lessons that we can take away from her story. And I'm not gonna go through the story again, but I wanna highlight just some of the things that we talked about last week. And that's the fact that she went from being basically a prostitute to being someone who ended up in the genealogy of Jesus. She was actually Jesus's great grandmother and she did some great things to advance the kingdom. She answered the call and was willing to put her and her family in jeopardy to show her faith in God. And by her faith, she was saved. See, she wasn't just reformed, she was truly transformed and was saved by her faith. So that was kind of our big takeaway from last week. So this week we're going to go in a different direction, and we are going to talk about the story of Mordecai. Now, I love the story of Mordecai, and I think there are some great things that we could learn from the story of Mordecai. And one of the reasons I chose this is because most people aren't super familiar with who Mordecai is or what he contributed to the Old Testament. Matter of fact, this week, as I was talking through this and and working through my sermon and starting to put things together, uh, I had a couple people ask me, hey, who are we going to be talking about this week? And I said, oh, we're going to talk about Mordecai. And they kind of went, who? Who? Or what did he do again? Remind me of his story. So I think it's a great opportunity for us to take a look at the story of Mordecai. So we are going to be in the Old Testament this morning. If you have your Bible out, you're going to want to turn to the book of Esther. Or if you have your Bible app or wherever you like to look at your scriptures from, that's where we're going to spend all of our time here this morning. So the question, of course, comes to mind, why Mordecai? Why are we talking about Mordecai? Well, Mordecai was a cousin who became a father to a future queen. And we'll unpack these things all a little bit later on, but I want to just kind of give you the map of where we're going here. He was a vigilant servant who did his job well. He wouldn't bow to the enemy of God's people, and he was a God-fearing man who encouraged his niece to stand up and fulfill her role in God's plan so Mordecai was really an amazing man when you think about it not just from his the standpoint of his faith but also from the standpoint of just who he was as a human being and that example that he sets for us so let's talk just a little bit about his story so that you'll kind of understand his story and where we're going with this just in case maybe you're not familiar with the book of Esther now the book of Esther never mentions the name of God and that, that, that's what makes the book of Esther just a little bit unique, is this fact that when you read through the book of Esther, a lot of people read the book of Esther and go, wait a minute, where's God? Where is God in this story of Mordecai and Esther? And that's one of those things that, that we really have to think about as we get ready to look at scripture. We have to think about who wrote this, who did they write it to? Where were these people located geographically, which tells us kind of where they're at socially? And what was the point that the author intended? And that's one of the things that I like about the book of Esther is you have to look for God. The author doesn't smack you in the face with, hey, here's where God was in this story. You have to dig into this scripture. You have to read into this scripture. You have to look at this story and look for those places that God was present in the story. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? That sometimes we don't think God is in the situation that we're in, or we can't see God actively working, and we tend to think that God is not there. And I think the book of Esther is a perfect reminder for us that God is always there, but sometimes we have to look for it. Now, we know that Mordecai is a key figure in the story of Esther, and again, Esther's a little bit more well-known. I mean, she has her own book in the Old Testament, but Mordecai is the one that kind of gets lost in the shuffle, we got to look for god's hand throughout this story and we can learn some great lessons from this unsung hero. So I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. For those of you who are old like me, you know what Cliff Notes are. It's basically just the short version of the story. And I want to encourage you when you have time to go back and read the book of Esther, because you will not be disappointed when you read that story. But I want to give you some of the highlights, because I think it's important that you kind of know who Mordecai was and how he kind of fits into the story of Esther. So Mordecai was actually Esther's cousin, And when Esther's parents passed away, he raised Esther as his own. He took her in. He raised her as his own daughter. Now, Mordecai also guided her along her path. Because at this time, this was a time where Jews were being persecuted. And Mordecai actually told her, hey, just don't go out and make it a big deal that you're a Jew. Don't tell people that you're a Jew. Was his way of guiding her and keeping her safe. Now, Mordecai worked at the gate. And by working at the gate, we'll see a little bit later on, he was just a faithful servant that did exactly what he was asked to do. But he was also someone that we can look to as an example of how to act in our daily lives as well as what his faith garnered him as well. Because when he was at the gate, he overhears this plot, this plot to kill the king. And he gets involved in this plot and he takes some risks. And And again, I think a lot of these Old Testament stories, I hear people say, oh, the Old Testament is boring. I don't like reading it. If, you, if you're saying that, you probably haven't read it very closely because this is another one of those just really cool stories that probably could have been made into a movie. And it's just something that captures our attention and our imagination. So let's jump into this. And let's just start looking at what are the lessons that we learn as we walk through this story. Now, the first lesson that I want you to learn from this story is, he was a cousin who became a father to a future future queen. And we're going to look at two scriptures in Esther chapter 2. So go ahead and turn to Esther chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 5 and verse 7. And yes, that was by design. I didn't forget verse 6. But we're going to look at verse 5, and we're going to look at verse 7. In verse 5, we read, Now, there was a citadel of Susa, A Jew of the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai, son of Jer, and son of Shimei, the son of Kish. We skip verse 6 and jump to verse 7. It says, Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. The young woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. It says Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. Now, you may think that that's just a little bit strange that it mentions the fact that she was that she was lovely or that she was beautiful or whatever the case may be. But you have to remember, if you know the story of Esther and how she was chosen to be queen, that plays a role in her story later on. But the lesson that I want you to learn from this is that Mordecai took care of his family. He He didn't have to take this cousin of his in and raise her as his own. He could have just said, Oh, that's a shame. I'm sorry that that happened to you. Best of luck to you. But he didn't do that. And that's an important lesson that we need to learn about our families. Because the Bible talks a lot about families. And whether that's your family inside of your household, or whether that's your church family, or maybe it's the family of Christians worldwide, we need to take care of our families. And what I mean by that is, in this case, he took care of his cousin from a physical and from a mental standpoint, meaning that he took care of her physical needs and he guided her and he raised her and he taught her some really important lessons. We need to do that within our own families, but we also need to be in charge of the spiritual guidance of our families. And we know that that's what the Bible calls us to do. So just like Mordecai, we need to raise up our families And take care of them from a physical standpoint and from a mental standpoint, but also from a spiritual standpoint, raising them up to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So let's look at the second lesson that I want you to learn. He was a vigilant servant who was content to do his job well. And we're going to look at a few scriptures here, but we're going to start in Esther chapter 2, starting in verse 10. Or excuse me, verse 19. So if you'll join me in verse 19, Esther 2:19, It says, when the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Again, this is what he did for a living. He was doing his job at this time. It says, but Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality just as Mordecai had told her to do. For she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. Now, there's a reason for this, and if you're familiar with the with the book of Esther, we know that at one point there's actually a plot to kill all of the Jews. And this is exactly why Mordecai had told her to keep her nationality and keep her upbringing separate. If we pick up in verse 21, it says, During the time that Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, it says, Bigthana." And Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. It says, But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, whom in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. Now, we know that the kings back in this time were not always people that necessarily we would look up to or maybe not necessarily people who are following God's plan. They tend to be manipulative. They tend to be drunkards. uh, They tend to be womanizers. And we know that, that the kings were not necessarily someone that would be looked up to. But Mordecai, when he overheard this plot, he knew that as an employee of the king, as someone who was paid to protect the king, that he needed to do something about this. And he couldn't just sit back and say, Eh, not really my problem. I'll let somebody else worry about it. As we pick up in verse 23, we read, it says, And when the report was investigated and found out to be true, the two officers were impaled on poles. And this was recorded in the book of Annals in the presence of the king. See, he protected the king by divulging this plot against the king's life. Now, There's a lesson that we can learn here, right? And that's that we need to do our job to the best of our abilities, whatever that job may be. Whether you're a teacher, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a lawyer, it it doesn't matter. We are called, just as Mordecai did, to do our job to the best of our ability and to use our God-given talents. Now, maybe we don't always agree with our boss, and maybe our boss isn't always right, and maybe we don't necessarily even like our bosses, But just like in Mordecai's case, when he probably didn't love the king, he still went about his business and was a faithful servant to his king. And as we'll see a little bit later on, he was a faithful servant to Christ as well or to God as well. So let's look at the third lesson that I want you to learn from the story of Mordecai. And that's that he was a Jew that would not bow down to the enemies of God's people. And now we're going to jump forward a little bit in Esther to Esther chapter 3 verse 2. And I want you to read this with me. It says, All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman. It says, For the king had commanded this concerning him, but Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. So in our story, and again, I I just don't have time to go through the whole story with you this morning. I wish that I did, but I would encourage you to go back and read this story. But basically what has happened is the king has elevated this guy named Haman to basically be his right-hand man. And what you see is as you read the story of Haman, it goes to his head. And he becomes this this power-hungry player in the story of Esther and Mordecai. And to the point that he's going to require people to bow down to him. Now, there's so much publicity right now around this whole concept of bowing and kneeling and things like that, and and who we should and who we shouldn't kneel for, but Mordecai sets such a great example for us when he does not bow down to an enemy of God's people. He just refuses to do so. See, this, this man named Haman, he was an Amalekite, and Amalekites were the enemies of God's people. And if you need any proof of that at all, you can jump back to Exodus chapter 17, verse 16, where it basically says that the Amalekites will be the enemies of God's people forever and ever and ever. So this was an enemy of God's people. And because of that, Mordecai refused to bow down to the enemy of God's people. So this tells you where his head was at and where his heart was at. And he wasn't willing to bow down to someone that went against God. Let's look at number four. The fourth lesson that I want you to learn from the, from the story of Mordecai is he was a God-fearing man who called his niece to stand up and fulfill her role in God's plan. If we look at, again, we're jumping ahead at Esther 14, verses 13 and 14. says so he sent back the answer. says, do not think because you are in the king's house that you alone of all of the Jews will escape. It says, for if you remain silent at this time, it says relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. It says, but you and your father's family will perish. It says, and who knows, but that you have come, excuse me, you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. I love this conversation that they're having because, again, in our plot, right, in our story, they've gotten wind of this plot that Haman has to kill all of the Jews. He's going to kill all the Jews. So Esther had sent word to Mordecai, basically saying, what do I do here? What do I do? If I speak out, I may be killed. Because see, at this time, you couldn't just go to the king. You couldn't just walk into the king's throne room and sit down and start having a conversation with the king. That's just not the way that it worked. You had to be invited. You had to be asked to come in. You couldn't just walk in. Even as the queen, you couldn't just walk in and start having this conversation. So Esther is caught between this rock and the hard place, right? Where she says, "Ah, what do I do here? If I go, I might actually be put to death. If I don't go... All of the Jews will be killed. What do I do? And Mordecai, in his wisdom, says, Look, don't be foolish enough to think that you're going to be saved if he goes along with this plot to kill all of the Jews. So Mordecai gave this wise counsel and he encouraged, right? He encouraged his cousin, who is now his daughter, so to speak. He encouraged her to follow out what God's plan for her life was. So Mordecai was an encourager and a believer. And I love that at the, in the end of this, he actually says, And who knows, but you have come to do your royal position for such a time as this. That's just Mordecai reminding Esther that, look, God has a plan for your life. God puts you here for a reason. And there are so many lessons that we can learn from that. One is, are we encouraging other people to follow God's plan for their lives? Are we truly encouraging people to live out a faith in Jesus Christ? I don't know if we are or not. I hope that we are. Because that goes along with going out and making disciples, right? Is encouraging people to live out a life in Christ Jesus. And that's exactly what Mordecai is doing. He's saying, Esther, look, you need to have the courage through God, the Father, to do this. And who knows, maybe this is exactly why you're here. And that reminds us that sometimes God puts people in positions and places, as Mordecai says, for times just like this. See, sometimes God puts people in your life when you need them the most. And sometimes God removes people from our lives when we need it the most. Have you ever lost touch with somebody? Have you ever had somebody who's kind of no longer in your life, and at the time it really, it hurt, and you were just like, why, why is that person not in my life anymore? And a little bit farther down the road, you understand why that person was not in your life, because maybe that person wasn't good for you. Or maybe that person was detracting you from your walk with Christ. See, we have got to be encouragers. We've got to encourage people to walk in that straight and narrow path. And we've got to walk in ourselves. And We've got to have the courage, just like Esther did, to go to the king and say, look, I need to tell you something. Now, when you read the rest of this story, you find out that she ends up having the courage, and she goes to the king, and she divulges the plot. And the king ends up actually, instead of killing the Jews, he ends up actually killing Haman on the spike that he had built and intended for Mordecai. Because Mordecai had saved the king's life by divulging the plot against him. So there's a lot of moving parts in this story. But, but again, Mordecai is, is somebody that oftentimes we're just going to skip over in this story and think, well, he's not important. Esther's the important one in the story. And yes, Esther is important in the story. But Mordecai played a big role in helping and encouraging Esther to be able to do the things that she did. And if not, who knows where that story would have went if Esther had never gone to the king and the king had killed all the Jews. Who knows how that story would have ended, but it would have ended well. So let's look at some takeaways that we have from this story of Mordecai. I had a few takeaways here for you that I want you to remember, and that's that we need to be responsible and genuinely concerned for our families. See, Mordecai stepped up when he didn't have to step up. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Now, you may, never not, you may never be in a situation where you have a family member that loses their parents. That's, that's, that was Mordecai's story, but that not, might not be your story, and that might not be my story. But I want to encourage you to help those who you are able to help, whether it's in your immediate family, whether it's in your extended family, whether it's in your church family. Just like Mordecai, we need to be responsible for our family. And we need to help those people when we can. Because see, when we help others, it's pleasing to God. It's what God wants us to do. He wants us to help others. We read in Scripture that when you've done these things to the least of these, you have done it to me also. We've got to be willing to help when we can. Now, obviously we don't have unlimited resources and we don't have unlimited funds and we can't help everybody. But are we at least making an effort to not only help our immediate family, but our church family and the family of believers wherever they may be? Number two. Number two says, we must obey God rather than man. Let that sink in for just a second. Are we truly obeying God, or are we obeying man? See, Mordecai put his life in danger by not bowing down to Haman because he was considered one of God's enemies. When we're faced with those same decisions, how are we responding? You know, we're, we're coming up on an election time. Don't even get me started about the election, and I'm not going to launch into a talk about politics. But a lot of issues come to light in an election year. A lot of different things that people agree on and people disagree on and one party believes in and one party is against. Are we taking a stand for God And saying, look, I'm not going to go along with these things that I know go directly against the Bible because I'm going to stand for God. I hope that we are. Because the Bible is very cut and dried on certain situations and certain things that we need to be paying attention to. And are we standing up for God? Or have we fallen into this you-do-you mentality? You be you, and as long as you're not hurting anybody else, it's okay with me. Or are we truly taking a stand for God, even when it's not easy, and even when it's not comfortable, to say, Look, I stand with God, and those things that go directly against the Bible are not okay with me. I hope that we are. And I hope that just how Mordecai had that courage and that strength to say, Look, I'm not bowing down to anyone else. I'm only bowing down to God, that we'll have that same intestinal fortitude to say, look, no, I don't bow to man, I bow to God. Number three, we must do what God wants us to do. Throughout this story, Mordecai did what a God-fearing man or woman would do. He made his decisions based on faith. So you say, but wait, God is never mentioned in this story. But if you read through this story, God is there every step of the way. God is definitely present in the book of Esther. God is present in the book of Esther. God is present throughout scripture. And God is present in your life today. He's present in your life. And yes, there's going to be times when you feel separated from God, but he is still there. You just have to look for him, and you don't have to look very far. We're blessed to live in this beautiful place called Southern California, and we can look out the window, and depending on where you're at, you can see the ocean, you can see the mountains, and sometimes you can see both. If that's not a great reminder that God has his hand in everything, I don't know what is, because he created this beautiful place that we live in. And he's involved in our lives every day. When things are good in our life, God is there. When things are terrible in our life, God is there. Because even when no one else is there, God is always present in our lives. And we may not always see it, but that's where we have to look for it. I know for me, at the times that I felt like, God, where are you? God, why aren't you fixing this problem that I have? God, why aren't you in this situation that I'm in right now? It's not that God wasn't there. It's that I wasn't looking for him. Or it's that I wasn't doing my part. I wasn't spending enough time in prayer. I wasn't spending enough time in the word. I wasn't doing my part of the relationship. is why I felt like God wasn't there. But God is always there. He's there in the good. He's there in the bad. He's there in the ugly. He's there all the time. And see, Mordecai, even though God is never listed in this in this in this story, we don't hear prayers of Mordecai talking to God or God talking to Mordecai. There wasn't any visions, there wasn't any angels talking to people directly. But God is still there. He's still there. And he's still here today. A lot of people are struggling with this time that we find ourselves in. We're in the middle of this global pandemic. And we're not able to do the things that we want to do. And we're we're having to follow different rules. And school doesn't look like school has ever looked before. It just doesn't. Right? And maybe our jobs don't look like they looked before because maybe we're working from home or maybe we're not working from home or whatever the case may be. But God is still in the midst of this. And I hear people asking the question like, if God was real, he'd have never let this happen. It's just not the way that God operates. He's not pulling every little string. But that doesn't mean that he's not there and that he doesn't love us and that he's not still providing for us on a daily basis. He is. Whether we've kept our jobs through this or maybe we've lost our jobs through this, we still have to look for God because God is good all the time and God is still there. Just like in the book of Esther, he's there. We just have to know where to look for him. Now, maybe this morning you've never had the opportunity to be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. Maybe you felt like that God wasn't there and that God hasn't been there. And maybe you want to solidify that relationship with God and that relationship with Jesus Christ. We see the example in the Bible that even Christ was baptized, even though he was perfect and didn't commit sin. And we know that the disciples were told to go out and make disciples and to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never had a chance to be baptized. The baptistry is full. It's warm. It's ready to go. Just reach out. We'll be more than happy to bring you up and to baptize you. Maybe you've been a Christian your whole life. But maybe just like the book of Esther, you feel like God's just not there. Please reach out. We're happy to pray with you. We're happy to pray for you. There is no reason to let this period of time go by and not be in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether that's through baptism, maybe it's asking for prayers or for confessing your sins. Whatever the case may be, we are still here for you, church family, and we want and have the desire to help you. So, I want to give you the opportunity to think through that as we get ready to sing this next song. And wherever you may be, we want to ask you to join us in singing the song that's been selected. You're the defender of the weak. You comfort those
1: in need. You lift us up on wings like eagles. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord.
0: Wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Well, once again, we want to thank you so much for joining us here at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. And don't forget about our midweek Bible studies as well. Would you please go with me to the Father as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for this opportunity that we've had to come together to learn another portion of your word, to sing some songs of praise to you, and to take communion as a church family. Heavenly Father, as we get ready to go our separate ways and go back to our regular lives this week, we pray that you will just help us to be more like Mordecai. Help us to be God-fearing. Help us to make decisions based on God and not man, and help us just to take care of our family wherever they may be. Heavenly Father, we thank you for everything that you've done for us. We thank you for all that you blessed us with. And most of all, we thank you for sending your Son. It's in Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great Sunday.
1: Come, now is the time to worship. God, one day every knee will bow. Still, the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time. as you are to work